This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. AJ Scholes is alongside from Madison, Wisconsin, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. Partner, I want to begin with a discussion that we started offline, and it regards the uh, World Junior Hockey Championships that were concluded on the, a few days ago. And congrats go out to the Canadian juniors for their gold medal winning performance as they came back from a 3-1 deficit in the third period to defeat their arch rivals from Russia in a stirring final that will resonate in this country for a long time, I think. It was a really dramatic win. And uh, the country are bonkers here, but in comparing notes with you, I found that this tournament doesn't really resonate with Americans and it surprised me because over in Finland and, and uh, Sweden and places like that, and even Ostrava where the thing was held, it really was a popular event. And uh, I thought it was gaining some traction worldwide, but you're telling me in the States it, it didn't really factor in too much to the viewership, did it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'll start off by saying I'm going strictly off, you know, conversations I've had. I I haven't looked at, uh, you know, viewership numbers or anything like that. But um, it just doesn't have the same kind of uh, pull that you get uh, in other places. So uh, a couple of factors here, you know, I would say. Uh, as much as I don't want it to be, I have to admit that hockey is probably the fourth biggest of the major sports in, in the U.S., uh, fifth if you if you throw in college football in there as well. So you're already looking at a, a smaller pool of player uh, people who are who are interested in hockey in the first place. You know, from there, you uh, look at uh, the games were strictly on NHL network. Um, as I understand in Canada, the games were all on TSN, which is kind of the equivalent of like ESPN down here. So not everybody gets NHL network. Um, you know, and sometimes you have to pay extra to get it depending on, on your cable package or whatever. So you've got less people watching to begin with. You've got a limited, uh, channel, uh, production there. And then for whatever reason, you know, I find that it just doesn't bring up the same kind of national fervor that you get from things like the Olympics. Uh, you know, the I'm never a bigger fan of volleyball than during 
the Olympics. I love watching it. I'll, I'll watch it all for, you know, the, that set time period. And then I wait for four more years uh, to watch it some more. And so you just don't get that uh, kind of national support uh, from, you know, from the U.S. fan base. And uh, I, I really think those kind of all factors kind of go into uh, a really limited audience in terms of, of people watching. I'll admit myself, I didn't watch uh, every single game uh, of the tournament. Well, that's that's a bit of a shame because it was a pretty visual spectacle with a lot of drama throughout the series of, of games, and uh, some some uh, players really uh, enhanced their reputation for the upcoming draft. So it's going to be I'm going to be curious to see where some of these names do fall, and certainly it's good to see some where some of the uh, already drafted players what they look like. And so I had my eye on a couple of. Uh, Leaf prospects, for inter- instance, and uh, I know at least one of them is going to be activated. We'll talk about him a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, I think the other, you know, the other thing, like for me, there were four players for the University of Wisconsin, which is based here in Madison, uh, on the U.S. team. So I was tracking how those guys were doing uh, and, and seeing how they go. And you know, really, from what I understand, up in Canada, everything kind of shuts down when World Juniors comes on. It's a big hol- part of the holidays. You know, that really doesn't happen here. Uh, I kind of equate it to uh, American Thanksgiving and football. If you're at Thanksgiving, you watch football, whether you're a football fan or not. It's just what you do. Uh, And from my understanding, the same thing happens in Canada. But it just for the world juniors, it just goes relatively unnoticed. You know, I was talking to people in Rotowire HQ here and I turned the games on these are you know sports people they're not necessarily hockey people but uh you know i would uh you know i turn the games on and they're like oh what is this like they didn't even know uh, what it was so i i think that's all the factors at play but before we kick off the rest of the show just to remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions, uh, you know, for you. You can follow me at AJScholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right. It's been a couple of weeks since we did this, AJ, so I'm going to highlight the fact that the the records of the, each of the clubs over the last two-week period instead of the last week, as we usually do, and we'll begin, as always, with the Anaheim Ducks. They went 3-5-1 and one in the last uh, 14 days. Adam Henrique shifted over from his center spot on the second line to left wing on the first line to join Ryan Getzlaff there. And Daniel Sprong is on the right wing. Uh, I know you have some feelings about him. Rickard Raquel missed the last six games with an upper body injury. Max Comtois, a guy who had a starring role last year in a losing cause for Canada at the World Junior Championships. He's locked in at left wing now on the second line. Two goals and one helper in his last seven games. But uh, more news on the injury front. In addition to the uh, Raquel situation, Troy Terry and Derek Grant are other veterans who are out with injuries at the moment. That's afforded a young man named Isaac Lundstrom to take a shot at the second line center role. He's uh, had some middling success, three helpers in the last seven games. They need more from that slot than he's giving them. But one guy who is uh, doing what's expected is, is Silverberg on the right wing. He's a consistent scorer right now, eight points in his last 12 games played for the Ducks. Well, here's my word of warning right off the bat for our, for our listeners. <laughs> if you go to the depth charts, you're going to see Daniel Sprong listed in that, that one uh, RW spot. You're also going to see that in his most recent game, he had a goal and an assist, and you might be tempted to snatch him up and put them into your, your season-long lineups or use them in your DFS contest. 
please don't. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, that's a little unfair, but uh, generally speaking, he's had a hard time breaking into the lineup for Anaheim, has never really lived up to expectations after being drafted in the, the second uh, round back in 2015. Uh, and I just don't uh, foresee it being a long-term success here. I would expect him to head back to minors at some point. Uh, and really, uh, I think it's it's you know too small of a sample size to really say that he's finally figured out the NHL game. With the Arizona Coyotes, we continue with a note about the World Junior Hockey Championships. Team Canada's captain, Barrett Hayton, had an outstanding tournament as the captain of the club, and he'll return to the Coyotes, but be wary of his situation because I think he sustained a shoulder injury in that last game, so watch for updates on his status going forward. In other news around the Coyotes, Taylor Hall has two goals and four helpers in his first nine games with his new club and looks like he's fitting in already here. Uh, Antti Ranta won his last three starts but got hurt in his last outing. He may be out with a lower body injury. That means Aiden Hill could get a shot this week and Ivan Prosvetsov Prosvetov, rather, is uh, slated to be his backup. So a little bit of an uncertainty in the nets because Darcy Kemper is still out with his lower body injury. Yeah, I think the that's the big concern here for this club. And, and Hill's numbers in the minors aren't terrible. Uh, they're also not great either, though. You know, 12 games with the Roadrunners, 9-3-0. and oh, So a decent record, but his save percentage is .907, and his goals against average is 2.77. So uh, a little bit higher than you would want, especially for... Uh, playing in the minors and, and calling a guy up but unfortunately that's kind of the position they find themselves in and you have to wonder if this uh, could kind of derail uh, them a little bit in terms of uh, you know where they're going to go uh, on the year in, in the standings you know they've been off to a great start they're right there with Vegas in the Pacific Division but if both of these guys are out for an extended chunk of time uh, the, there's going to be some worries here despite all the offensive tools that they have. And in Boston, uh, I'm going to go with a couple of notes here that tell much bigger stories. The top line has accounted for nine goals and 16 helpers in the last six games played, yet this team is having an awful time finding other players who can score regularly, and that's been a bit of a problem. And I'll use another stat here. Yarrow Halak, their backup goalie, started eight times since December the 3rd, getting quite a bit of a workload, steady workload for a backup in Boston there as he normally does he's 3-3-2 and two in those starts the team's only scored 18 goals for him he's given up 17 so the, the, they're not leaving him with much margin for error at the moment they did get some good news though as Tory Krug is back in the lineup and so is Charlie McAvoy that's two young defensemen that they count on here and they've been out them without them for a while so maybe that's going to help right the ship here but the Bruins are only 3-1-5 and five in their last nine games AJ yeah, I mean, for me, it definitely seems like, uh, you know, the issues uh, are from the, the lack of, uh, of blue line options in front of them. So uh, getting Tory Krug back, he's got assists uh, in each of his last two games uh, since returning from that injury. McAvoy, obviously, is is a huge piece on, on the power play as well. Uh, hasn't put any points up in his two games back yet, but he'll get there eventually. And so I think once you start rolling with those guys, um, you know, that that's going to help everything else. But I 100 percent agree that if this team wants to get back to where they were last year, they're going to need to find somebody else that can score. And I would not be surprised to see them uh, very active heading into the trade deadline in order to add some pieces here. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. The Buffalo Sabres were engaged in a couple of deals. We'll get to all of them during the course of this show. 
And uh, one of them was they traded away a fourth uh, round pick in 2020 to Calgary in exchange for Michael Froelich, who was playing third line minutes there. He's thrust into a first line role in Buffalo because Victor Olofsson, their outstanding young rookie, he's, he's expected to miss five to six weeks with a lower body injury that he suffered a few days ago. So they're trying to shore things up there, uh, but I don't think they got the right guy in this deal. Like I said, a third liner expected to become a first liner. I'm not sure how that's going to work, so I'll wait and see. In another move, they sent Marco Scandella to Montreal for another fourth-round pick, this one in the 2020 draft, to make room for the veteran uh, winger. So I wonder if it's just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic here, AJ. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it definitely, uh, definitely... Interesting with with Bogosian uh, asking for that that trade request. Um, you wonder if the move to if moving out Scandella will will maybe uh, afford him you know the the decision to want to stay there. So uh, yeah, this team as you mentioned, Olafson out long term. Skinner is also still gone, uh, and so really they're they're trying to make do with with a pretty uh, dicey young group of guys here. You know, Rasmus Asplund uh, is right now getting a look on the Eichel Reinhardt line. I would expect that situation to be pretty fluid. Jimmy VC is playing on the second line and he's a guy that they've scratched periodically throughout the year. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how things kind of work out, how Michael Froelich factors in here uh, moving forward. In Calgary, they were four, four and one over the last two weeks. Their lineup has shuffled the top two uh, forward units. Tachuk, Lindholm, and Manjapane are on the first line. Godreau and Monaghan reunited again with Backlund on the right wing on that unit. So Backlund might become a person of interest for me if they keep that group together. Milan Lucic not only changed his hair color, AJ, but found a couple of points uh, in his (laughs) Christmas basket. Two points in the last three games played as left wing on the third line. He's getting power play time. And uh, I like what I see here in 16 shots on goal in his last five games played. So maybe he's going to come off the mat in terms of becoming a productive force but I need to see more and a larger sample size before I commit to him. In the Nets, David Riddich has allowed 11 goals against in his last three starts. He was pulled in one of them, allowing three goals in 10 minutes of action in that start, so not going well. Cal- Talbot's pushing him for a little more playing time, allowing six, uh, 13 goals against in his last six starts, so the backup is outperforming the starter here. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I was expecting uh, heading into the start of the season is that Cam Talbot would really compete, uh, you know, here for for regular consistent uh, minutes and that we might even see close to a split situation. But at the start of the year, David Riddish kind of took the nets and, and took the job and rolled with it. So, um, you know, I, I kind of figured, OK, that's that's what we're going to get here. Cam Talbot's going to be kind of a true, you know, 20, 25 game backup. But uh, it's starting to settle in a little bit to the, the full kind of 82 game grind here uh, for, for Riddich. And, you know, last year he played in 45 games, uh, and really, uh, did well, but overall hasn't taken on that full on number one, uh, heavy workload yet. And so I think that's maybe what we're seeing a little bit here as, as things start to, uh, you know, settle in. So I would expect him to bounce back, uh, pretty quick. If you've got him in season long formats, I, I wouldn't worry about trying to dump him yet, uh, and just kind of ride the storm out here. 
When we talked about Carolina at the beginning of the season, AJ, we highlighted this defense core as one of the deepest ones in the league. It really hasn't turned out that way. Dougie Hamilton is certainly one of the best scoring defensemen in hockey, but beyond him, it's been uh, hit and miss for the most part. But Jacob's, I mean, uh, Jacob Slavin is partnering with Hamilton right now, and so you might get some points that way. But I'm watching Brett Pesci on the second pairing, AJ, and I like what I've seen out of him, a goal and four helpers in his last six games. In the Nets, Peter Mrazek has allowed at least three goals in six of his last seven starts, so that's not very good for their starter. Warren Fogle continues to get right right wing minutes on the top six, but I'm more intrigued by the right wing on the third line, Martin Netzcash, who has seven points in his last seven games played. This guy's getting more power play time than Fogle, too, so interesting situation there. I'd also like to see Ryan Zingle get more playing time, but uh, this right winger has two goals and four assists in his last six games played, and at least he's getting some power play time, but he's a guy that, based on what he's done the last couple of years, might be uh, uh, well-served and uh, help this team more if he was in a top-six role on a regular basis. Well, and I'm also a little surprised that Eric Halla hasn't gotten uh, more interest or look in a, in a top six uh, opportunities. You know, he, he dealt with some pretty significant injuries, but he's been back uh, for their last seven games, has three goals and three assists in, in those contests to show for it. And so I would expect, you know, I know right now they've got Stahl, Ajo, and then Hall is the number three, but Ajo is certainly a player that could play on the wing. Uh, I guess maybe it's a, an attempt not to kind of put all your eggs into to two baskets, as it were, um, with with two lines there. But I really think uh, for as, as good as Eric Holla can be when healthy, uh, I think you want him playing more and, and really getting him into a top six role. With the Chicago Blackhawks, they're a surprising 6-3 and three in the last two weeks, AJ, and Patrick Kane is leading the charge with four goals and four helpers in those games. Robin Leonard, though, 3-1 and one is his record. 13 goals against six of those when his last start. So you hope that that's just a blip and he can get back to uh, his usual stellar form there. Following injuries to uh, Shaw, Kajula, and Saad, the Hawks called up John Quenville, who was the New Jersey Devils' first-round pick back in 2014. This guy has 13 points in 19 games played at Rockford in the AHL. So he has done some scoring in the minors. wonder if that translates to the NHL. Wait and see is my recommendation. The Hawks have declared that uh, Seabrook and DeHaan are out for the season with shoulder injuries, so their defense is really depleted. That's afforded them to promote Slater Cuckoo to get another chance at regular ice time. He was a 2012 first-round pick and never really locked down a, a top-pairing uh, role in the NHL. I don't think he's going to get it here either right now, but he's running out of chances to show what he can do. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know part of the, the issue... Uh, is they've got a, a youngster in Adam Bockwist, the 19-year-old, uh, who's you know been getting pretty consistent regular uh, minutes, both even strength and on the power play. You look at his last uh, you know th- four games, he's averaging almost four and a half minutes of power play ice time uh, per night, and he's got a goal and an assist to show for it. So I think he's going to start kind of getting more opportunities there and they seem more comfortable uh using the uh dennis gilbert who they called up from the minors as well over slater cuckoo so i i just don't see the opportunities being there for him uh if you are in a league uh you know that's that's a keeper format and Bachquist isn't on a team yet definitely a player to consider uh you know for the future i think he's gonna probably play a full-time role for them uh you know from here on out in Colorado, I was surprised to realize that they got shut out. I checked the stats this morning. 
from that game. They lost one nothing to the Islanders. You can imagine how unexciting that game must have been, uh, the way the Islanders tend to lock things down. But uh, before that, they were 4-5-1 and one in a busy slate of games over the last couple of weeks in Colorado. Nate McKinnon leading the charge offensively, the first star in the NHL this past week. Four goals and seven assists in his last six games overall. Mikko Rantanen, five goals and two helpers in his last six games played. I'm looking at Gerard, a defenseman, nine assists in his last six games played. Uh, uh, you got to look at this guy, the way he's going in DFS play. And our old pal Val Nachushkin has enjoyed a nice run here of late, as we pointed out most uh, last last show, but currently is out with an illness. So unfortunate that that's happening at a time when he's finally got his game together. Another note here, Matt Nieto is a player to watch as he's now slotted in as right wing with, uh, left wing with Kadri and Rantanen on that line. And Jonas Donskoy, another player of interest, moves up to the top unit on the right side. Yeah, for me, both those guys you mentioned, uh, Neto and Donskoy, are, are DFS kind of only options. Uh, I wouldn't really jump on them in, in terms of season-long formats just because those uh, those assignments are pretty fluid. But if they're there, uh, you know, heading into to a game, uh, a DFS contest with, with Colorado playing, uh, certainly both guys to look at because they're not going to cost you too much and, and they're playing good roles. You know, the other uh, concern here for me with Colorado has been uh, the recent run of form for for Grubauer. Now he's starting to get it back a little bit, but December uh, was less than ideal for him. Had a couple of four goals allowed outings. Uh, you look at Grubauer's last four contests, two, one, and one uh, with a 2.95 goals against average. So a little bit higher than you want. And I think that's going to leave the door open for Pablo Francuz to get more uh, opportunities. Up next, we look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, AJ. They were floundering about a month ago, but you can't say that anymore. With their win last night, they are now 8-1-2 and two in their last uh, 11 games. That's an outstanding run. Roborinsky leading the charge, five goals and one assist in his last games, uh, six games played. Eunice Corpusello uh, suffered a knee injury and he's lost till mid-February. The goalie of record last night was Elvis Merzalikens. He's the top goalie option here. He now has three wins and only five goals against in his last four games played. His ownership is, is spiked and uh, he rewarded his uh, followers last night. It was a 4-2 win in LA. I apologize. I gave the wrong score there, I guess, AJ. But no- nonetheless, he re- received for the win Mike Foligno uh, is getting right wing minutes on the top line he has three points in his last five games played to go along with his physical play he's really making room out there for his line mates Jenner and Nyquist well if you want to see an epic hockey rant go look up the uh, post-game press conference when uh, Corpus <laughs> got hurt and and check out uh, you know John Tortorella on that one uh, yeah, I've been honestly surprised uh, how well Mirza Lincolns has played uh, since, you know, being tasked with taking on the full time role. That's really not what they were uh, projecting for him this year. Really hadn't seen a, a, a ton of games prior to to this uh, opportunity for him. So we'll see if he can continue to keep it up. But as you know, as kind of the full time uh, guy here in, in the last four games, has a three and one record and and you know nothing to uh you know nothing to knock at, at this point in his game uh, the dallas stars five and three in their last eight games a four game win streak currently essa lindell has emerged as another scoring option on the blue line five assists in his last four games played john klingberg had a three game stretch where he produced five assists but he's nicked up again i think there's uh, some injury notes on him related to an illness or something like that aj maybe you can 
dig deeper into that one. The big li- line has been reunited. That means Tyler Sagan between Ben and, and uh, uh, Radulov on that top unit. That's one to be feared when they're all going and good f- uh, DFS value because they don't rate with the Boston line and the Colorado line, for instance. So a good stack, stack opportunity when they're together against a lesser opponent. Corey Perry was suspended five games for the hit that he put on uh, Ryan Ellis of the Preds on New Year's Day. Well-deserved. De- well that was a vicious shot. Uh, in other no- news here, Denis Gurionov had a five-game point streak at right wing on the second line recently and might be worth a look in, uh, as a low-end DFS option. Yeah, it looks like Klingberg's dealing with a a lower body injury right now, but is joining the team uh, on their road trip. So really, he could jump back uh, into the lineup at at any point here. So uh, should get him back soon, and and he'll pair up uh, back up with Essel and Dow. And really, those those two guys are are pretty decent, uh, you know, DFS fantasy options. Lindell, especially his his last three games, has has five assists, uh, and so. can really provide some some good value there he's not going to break the bank for you uh in terms of dfs and other than that you know the 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 big guys here are are starting to to do what you expect you know uh ben's numbers lately have been been decent tyler sagan the same there and and really uh the team's starting to to heat up and and really it's going to make things interesting uh you know come uh april it's it's not going to be interesting for the Detroit Red Wings and their fans the rest of the season, AJ, unless they win the lottery in the in the amateur draft. That's what they're looking forward to. They're they're ten thirty and three overall, one and seven in their last eight games. But a reason for optimism tonight: they play the Montreal Canadiens and they're two and zero against the Habs so far this year. So they got that to look forward to as a possibility. In addition to their lo- losing ways, though, the their injury reserve list is really filling up andreas athanasi was out two to three weeks with a lower body injury and joining him on the sidelines is anthony mantha out till early february with an upper body injury they suffered in toronto when he jumped jake muzzin from behind and then muzzin in a wwe move took him and just basically body slammed him and uh, that was it for for mantha for the next few weeks it appears robin fabry is a player to watch now that he's at right wing on the top line alongside dylan larkin and, and tyler bertuzzi so that's uh, an interesting situation for a guy who has an offensive upside that we haven't seen bloom yet uh, philip zadina in a similar mold he's getting a shot at right wing on the second line he's hoping to build on a nice stretch where he has points eight points in his last 12 games played so some good news there uh, for a couple of uh, skilled players on this roster yeah, I mean, other than than the guys that you outlined, uh, there's there's not too many, uh, you know, fantasy fantasy top players here. You know, Dylan Larkin would would be the kind of one other name I would toss out there. He's got five points in his last five games, uh, giving him 27 on the year in in 43 contests. So he's a little off his pace. Last year he had 73 points in 76 games last year, uh, and so a little bit behind that, but. You know, hard to blame the guy, given what uh, what he has to play with there. So, yeah, Detroit fans uh, hoping that the the balls bounce your way. 
And in Edmonton, boy, they've bounced their way in the lottery a number of times, but they haven't made good on a lot of the drafts. But one they got right is Connor McDavid. And boy, did he put on a show in Toronto last night, AJ. I was in attendance for what I think might be voted the goal of the year. If you haven't seen the highlights, take a look at the sixth goal Edmonton scored in that game. A great solo effort as he went around Morgan Riley like a hoop around a barrel, as Howie Meeker used to say. (laughs) Six to four win in Toronto last night. They are five, four and one in their last 10 games played. Dreisaitl picked up a goal and an assist last night as well. He's back now on a second unit at center. And Kyler Yamamoto has been promoted to the right wings on the second line. He got a goal last night. He now has three goals and uh, three points in his first four games since the call-up. James Neal is another guy who's uh, starting to find the range again. He was active last night. He's also had seven shots on goal in the three games prior, and he had a hat-trick last week. So finding the range offensively again to support the top two big names there. On defense, Oscar Kleffbaum is on pace for a career-best season with 25 points in 44 games played. I also like the Ethan Baird-Darnell Nurse pairing on defense. This is a good combination of size and skill that uh, should be in the Edmonton situation for years to come. So here's my concern with James Neal right now is how streaky he's he's playing. Uh, in his last eight games, he's only scored in one of them. But, of course, that was the hat trick that you mentioned, and he put up an assist in that game. So you look, you know, if you look at FanDuel points uh, lately, he had 53.5 in that game. Uh, his next highest was last night's contest with eight uh, FanDuel points there, and that's because he basically hit anything that moved last night, put up 10 uh, hits uh, in that game and, and otherwise didn't, didn't offer much else. Uh, four shots, so he's at least trying to, to get in uh, get one into the uh, nets there. But for me, in terms of season long, uh, almost a little bit too streaky to, to really consider utilizing him despite uh, how good he can be. In Florida, they're 7-3, and three, but they're they're in the shadows of a couple of teams that are on fire. We'll get to them a little bit later. But the Panthers are try, trying to hang in the race, and they certainly are right now. And it's their big guns that are helping them. But one guy that I want to highlight is Evgeny Dadanov. This guy has been riding shotgun with the big two for much of the season here, and he's finally getting his due. Five goals and three helpers in his last seven games played. One of those two big stars, Jonathan Huberto, having a career-best season, four goals and six helpers in his last seven games played. On defense, Anton Strahlman is chipped in with a goal and four helpers in seven games. And Mike Matheson's two goals and three assists. They've got a deep defense here, and they've got four scoring options, including Strahlman and Matheson going right now. This team is winning, though, in spite of very ordinary goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky, and that's where my red flag is planted uh, on this roster. He's allowed 25 goals against in his last six starts. That's terrible, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no uh, pulling no punches there, Paul, but certainly uh, the, the right description for how he's played lately. The interesting thing to watch here with Florida is is how they're going to continue to fare in the standings. You talked about uh, how backed up the Atlantic uh, is. They're currently sitting at the second wild card spot, but you've got teams like Philadelphia, Columbus, and Buffalo kind of nipping at their heels here. And if they start to dip, Heading into the deadline, you've got a pair of guys in Mike Hoffman and Dadnov who are on expiring contracts this year. They're both 30 years old, 
and could garner some interest from from opposing teams but obviously they're not going to move those guys if if they're still in the hunt for for a playoff spot so definitely something to watch there uh if there's any sort of drop off if they go through you know an extended uh run of, of bad form you look at their last 10 games they're seven and three if that flips uh and they go three and seven in a stretch maybe some teams start calling and, and maybe they start actually listening to offers in Los Angeles, uh, this year figured to be a year where they were trying to develop some new uh, names to uh, help uh, help them turn the corner in terms of a re- rebuild situation. They're 3-4-1 and one in their last eight games before last night's loss to Columbus. One of those youngsters, Sean Walker, moved up to the top defense pairing three games ago, has two assists and has played over 20 minutes a game alongside Drew Doughty. I like the fact that not only is this guy getting a decent shots on goal rate, but he's blocking a ton of them right now. And so if blocks count in your league as well as shots on goal, this might be a cheap value play. Nikolai Prokorkin is another intriguing option. While he's getting third line minutes on the left side and producing three points in his last four games played, he was a point a game player in the KHL and may finally be finding a comfort level here in, in L.A. Tyler Toffoli's uh, guy, speaking of comfort levels he's looking like uh, the, his best form that he showed a couple of years ago he's had eight points in uh, five mid-december games and then three more in his last three games played a bit of a streaky guy of late but boy he's been productive when he has been scoring and in the nets jack campbell's been steady in the nets of late and uh, that might mean that J- jonathan quick could be a trade chip though a word of caution to suitors he has three years left on a $5.8 million cap hit, so you wonder if he might be dealt. Uh, do they hold back some of his salary to make that a more palatable option and, and run with Campbell in uh, in uh, the next phase of this, this rebuilding situation? Yeah, I think that would be a, a pretty interesting move. I, I don't see it happening mid-season. Just because, you know, the, the market's a little bit diminished uh, for net miners kind of looking in season. Um, but certainly this upcoming summer or the year after, uh, you also have have to consider at some point the the expansion draft and whether they would consider exposing him uh, down the road here. So uh, the other player I want to mention, you, you talked about Tyler Toffoli and how good he's been lately. Two of those goals in in those last three games uh, came on the power play, so he's producing uh, on special teams as well, and really seems, as you said, to have found a, a you know some comfort playing at the NHL level. The Minnesota Wild. This was a team that we thought was going to be dead and buried early in the season, but they, here they are uh, with a twenty seventeen and six mark, four four and one. Their last nine games played, so maybe there is an outside chance that they can make some noise here in the playoff hunt in the Western Conference. Helping their cause is uh, Devin Dubnik, three wins and a shutout with twelve goals against in his last five games played. So the goaltending's in in good order again. Uh, he returned to lineup and has has a three and two record in those starts. Migo Koivu is another guy who's returned to the center uh, position uh, on the second unit. That helps the offense as well. But on the downside, left winger Jason Zucker is out with a broken leg, and he's going to be a tough piece to replace. And one final note on defense, Suter, a workhorse over here, two goals and four helpers in his last six games played. This guy's a solid DFS option, night in, night out for the Wild because he logs so many minutes and he plays in all the situations here. Another player to key in on the on this team is Stahl, uh, Eric Stahl. But, uh, you know, kind of, a, again, a word of caution to use your parlance there. Uh, a very hot mid-December uh, J- uh, has kind of cooled. He has just one goal in his last four games. 
and the shot rate in those four games he has just six shots on net uh, in those four contests so you'd certainly like to see that higher so maybe a good time to to buy low here Uh, in terms of dfs options i'm looking at whoever's on that left wing one spot as a possibility it's going to be kind of a rotating door i think jordan greenway got a few games up there ryan donato looks like he's going to get that assignment but when you get to play with stall and zuccarella you really have uh, some opportunities there and one thing i'll throw in about jason zucker i saw a joke uh, on on social media the other day that the penguins injury situation is so bad that prospective trade uh players are even getting hurt uh if you recall jason zucker was included as as part of uh, that potential uh um, phil kessel deal wow uh, the montreal canadians a team that uh, made a couple of deals last week and i wonder what the heck they're thinking over here they they picked up Ilya Kovalchuk as a free agent to fill a top six role and he wasn't even in the top six role in Los Angeles but uh, they're struggling here because on that side of the ice Gallagher, Druen, and Arnia are all out and so big hole to fill there he did well in his debut last night four shots on goal and an assist albeit in a loss that dropped their record to 18, 18, and 7 overall, 3, 6, and 1 their last 10 games played. They're fading from contention really quickly in the Atlantic Division. Uh, my response to the moves that they made with that one and Marco Scandella, a, a trade pickup, desperate times call for desperate measures, and uh, this team's in l- large, large trouble, and pardon me for snickering as a Leaf fan. <laughs> So I, I don't hate the addition of Kovalchuk. And, and to your point, uh, it does feel like a, a bit of a desperate move, but you're, you're a banged-up team. You got a ton of guys out. You got them for 700, uh, I think it was 700,000 on a two-way deal. So you can move them to the minors if you want to or need to. And really, you're paying him about 350000 because he's only there for half the season. So I, I don't hate the addition for, for a low cost. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you're not tied into it long term. It's just a one-year deal, uh, and you can move on next season. And you're getting a guy that I think is motivated to show he's still got something left in the tank and maybe can earn you know, a, a, a deal from a, a more contending club next year if, if he plays well uh, in Montreal here. Well, last night when I was doing my prep, a note came down when I came home from the hockey game that I watched that uh, the Nashville Predators fired their coach, Peter Laviolette, and his assistant, Kevin McCarthy. And a new coach is to be announced today. We haven't seen a name as of uh, this recording yet, but uh, the Predators, 5-3-2 and two in their last 10 games played on the ice. Ryan Ellis, as we mentioned, is on the I- IR, likely dealing with the concussion issues following the high hit by Corey Perry that we mentioned about New Year's Day. But other players are doing okay on the ice here for this club. Roman Yossi leading the charge with 11 points in his last six games played from the defense position. This guy just produces game in, game out, another strong DFS option if you're looking out for a top-end defenseman on your uh, on your roster. A left, a left wing is a position of interest here for me. Colton Sissons might miss the last four games with a lower body injury. That's given an opportunity to Yakov Trenin, who's produced four points in eight limited games. I'll say he's not getting got a lot much a lot of ice time but he is a guy that had 26 points in 20 games played with the milwaukee admirals of the ahl a former second round pick in 2015 he may finally be ready to make the grade here and it looks like he's making the most of uh, in position to make the most of an opportunity right now 
What I think is most kind of confusing about the coaching change here is it was about a week ago that David Poley uh, was quoted as saying, like, I'm not ready to to you know, move on. It's, it's not my plan. In fact, I I was able to dig it up. It was January 2nd. He said, uh, right now, uh, is not, it's not in my game plan. I'm not contemplating making any coaching change at this time. So that was just a couple of days ago at, at this point. And then suddenly, uh, you know, something clearly changed and you have to wonder, uh, if maybe they discovered that they have somebody, um, you know, somebody that they really wanted, um, that became available and maybe they'll, uh, go that route. Uh, certainly, uh, an interesting situation. The fact, uh, I don't recall a time where a, an interim coach was not named, uh, pretty much immediately. So we'll see how that shakes out. Maybe there's somebody that they, uh, discovered was an option and they started doing some looking and, and that's why they made the change now. Well, I think they got a game tonight, so uh, maybe the trainer's going to be behind the bench. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> to, to flip the I, I am available if the Predators are, are listening. I'll, I'll make the drive down. <laughs> All right. The New Jersey Devils, 5-3-1 and one in their last nine starts. Vatnin, a uh, strong defenseman there, seven points in his last six games played. Gusev, Nikita Gusev, two goals and five assists in his last six games played at right wing, one of the best stretches he's had on the year. Mackenzie Blackwood has a firm grip on the starting gig here, 4-1-1 one one in his last six outings, 16 goals against, and uh, I picked him up at a couple of leagues about a month ago, and he's rewarded me handsomely. Uh, Jack Hughes at center has missed the last uh, two games with an upper body injury, the young rookie having a tough time of it of late. Left winger Jesper Bratt, another smallish player, has had a nice stretch of five points over his last five games played, but is now sidelined with an undisclosed injury. So uh, mostly bad news here for New Jersey as they're kind of fading from contention really quickly uh, in the last month. Yeah, I, you know, I really was, and I think a lot of people were, but I was really high on this team heading into the season, and it just has not worked out for them at all. How, how things have gone you know uh, the Hughes injury uh, is certainly gonna gonna hurt um, you know with him unavailable in the last two but overall his numbers haven't been so dramatically impactful that that they're gonna miss him you know that much although his recent run of form has four points in their last seven games so maybe starting to make that adjustment uh, prior to getting hurt here so it's really you know you have to pick and choose your spots here uh in terms of of dfs options but uh there's not a ton to be real excited about with this team right now well the islanders are four five and one after a one nothing shutout victory over colorado last night with uh, Semyon varlamov uh haunting his former club in that effort He's enjoying a strong season in goal with a goals against average south of 2.4 a game and a save percentage over 92%, ranking among the uh, league leaders in both categories. And uh, those numbers improved with last night's shutout effort, as we mentioned. Adam Pellick is lost for the year. That's a tough blow on this blue line here. He was a part of a shutdown pairing with Ryan Pullock. That's given Noah Dobson a chance to draw into the decor. He was a first rounder for this club in 2018 and I'm anxious to see what he adds to the mix here because he does have a bit of an offensive upside to him as well. Anders Lee's numbers are in decline la- uh, although he scored last night they're in decline for a second straight season this is one guy, we ca- we've said it before they chant about t- John Tavares not being needed there anymore but Anders Lee hasn't been the same player without the Leafs captain in in, uh, in tow 
Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you know, Noah Dobson. You look at his uh, junior numbers in, in uh, the Quebec Major Junior last season had uh, 50, uh, 52 points in 56 games, so certainly capable of, uh, of producing, and it's why the Islanders took him 12th overall in, in 2018, and so this is kind of his his chance to really get some consistent minutes uh, and, and play some games here, and I, I expect him to add something that, you know, Pellets, uh, he's not going to be as defensively sound, but you add in the offensive upside. And I think overall, I would call this an upgrade on, on their blue line here. The New York Rangers, it's another team in rebuild mode. And of late, they're looking like at three and six is their record in the last couple of weeks to lower their overall mark to 19, eight and four. One guy who's having an outstanding year is Artemi Panarin, two goals and eight assists in his last six outings. Philip Heatel is a, uh, playing third line minutes with Capo Caco. I wonder if this is good for the development of these guys. They're not getting the top checking of the opponents and might be a good spot for them, but the minutes aren't there like I hope they would be for these guys. So uh, it's some good and some bad in their situation at the moment. Uh, Pavel Buknevich is getting big minutes at right wing on the top line, though. Two points to show for his efforts in his last two games played. Might be a player to watch for me going forward. Henrik Lundqvist, and this is where where it gets intriguing, AJ. You and I were talking off air before we started. Henrik Lundqvist has allowed 12 goals in his last three games played, now also dealing with a bit of an illness. And Georgiev is struggling even worse, allowing 18 goals in his last four starts. This guy's a pending RFA, and this is why it gets interesting, because tonight they've called up Igor Shesterkin, a third goalie to activate on this roster. He gets his first NHL start tonight. He's had a 193 goals against average in Hartford in, in a number of games played as their starting goalie there. But this move was necessitated because they want to find out what they have here. He's got another year on his entry-level contract, but Georgiev is in the final year of his RFA, and I wonder if there might be a shocking move that they might be contemplating. Can you shed some light on that? Well, I, I think this could be an indication that, that maybe Lundqvist stays uh, in in the Big Apple are numbered. Now, he's got an $8.5 million cap hit, so trading him, I, I think, is is a little bit steep there, but his contract expires just before uh, we would get into uh, Seattle expansion time. You know, it worked out for Mark Andre Fleury to to make the move to a new team. I know I know I tipped uh, Jonathan Quick as an option there as well, but uh, maybe they could sign Henrik Lundqvist as a as a free agent acquisition to kind of be the face of their their franchise there, uh, and and possibly this could be an indication that the Rangers are getting ready to move on uh you know from having king henrique between the pipes boy that would cause a revolt on broadway i'm sure sure but that might be the hottest take you ever come up with on this show AJ. <laughs> the ottawa senators a team that is two four and three in their last uh, nine games they're in a four game losing streak of late their defense is really depleted now with injuries to hainsey zaitsev and Demello. that's three veterans missing from this roster that means the likes of Thomas Shabbat are going to get a lot more playing time. He's, in fact, gone over 30 minutes in five of his last eight games played. That's a ton of work that nobody else in the NHL is logging right now. Another youngster that's been called up of late, Drake Batherson is in at right wing on the second line, and he got that promotion because he's had an outstanding year at Belleville with 41 points in 33 games played. He was a fourth-round pick for the Sens in 2017, and he's shown all kinds of offensive upside in the AHL. They need to find out if a translates to the big leagues and uh, 
Uh, reason why he's going to get some playing time is Anthony Duclair missed last game with an undisclosed injury, and I wonder if he's going to be able to play tonight, but uh, if he does, the, he'll be on the right wing on the top line, and maybe Batherson drops down or spot, or maybe Tyler Ennis does, but Ennis, for his part, too, has been good on the right flank. Three points in his last two games played for the Leaf cast-off. He's getting more playing time and making good with it in Ottawa right now. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, Shabbat's, uh, you know, ice time uh, for the season. It's still around 26 uh, and a half ish, 26, 22. Uh, and that's almost, you know, 23, uh, exactly 23 seconds above Drew Doughty's average. But I think you're going to see that uh, really change uh, as if he continues to play these 30 some minute games. I mean, you look at his. Uh, December 17th against Tampa played 37 uh, minutes and 50 seconds. That's just astronomical uh, in terms of, you know, that's almost two full periods of of hockey. And uh, they are going to get a little bit of help. Dylan DeMello is set to come off the IR uh, and potentially suit up tonight. He's missed uh, the last, uh, looks like, uh, 10 games uh, due to his injury. But, uh, you know, they're still, as you said, Zaitsev was activated off injury reserve, but then hasn't played yet. So I'm not sure if there was a setback there. It does sound like Hainsey will be back sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I think Shabbat will continue to just see a very, very heavy workload. In Philadelphia, the Flyers are starting to fade a little bit. Uh, they can't keep up with some of these teams that are on seven, eight game heaters of late. They're five and four in their last night games. One of the better bits of news here is Jakub Voracek, six assists in his last four games played, finally getting a look at right wing on the top line. I've been calling for this move all season long, AJ. I don't know why he's been playing third line minutes of long stretches, although he's been a steady uh, participant on the power play throughout. Uh, left wing on the second line goes to JVR. He had a nine point in five game stretch about a week ago that concluded but followed up with four scoreless games most recently so it's been an up and down year mostly down for the big winger Uh, another guy who uh, started off well on the left side Joel Farabee he's gone ice cold with only one assist in his last 11 games played for the rookie here and on defense Shane Gostisbehere has really been a ghost he snapped an eight game pointless streak where he was very virtually invisible and finally got an assist in his last game eight uh, game played but he's got a big contract he's not living up to it right now and his name's been bandied about in a ton of trade rumors for a team that's willing to take a chance that he can rediscover his form the Flyers hope that it certainly has happens here I think the hard part with trying to move Gus's Bears is that they just found out they're not going to have uh, Justin Braun through the All-Star break. And so that's that really will stretch uh, their their blue line depth. And, you know, Braun is a solid kind of mid-range guy um, in terms of offensive production. He's turned it on of late two goals and three assists in his last six games. Um, but he's also prone to extended uh, chunks without a point prior to that six uh, that six game kind of scoring heater. He was on a nine game pointless uh, streak. So kind of an up and down guy, but I think his injury more than anything else could prevent uh, the Flyers from moving Gosses Bear. Now, if he comes back after the All-Star break, that still gives them about a month, uh, all of February, to figure out if they want to move Gosses Bear or not. Um, but I certainly think it's going to limit their options, or, or rather their willingness to, to make a change there. Now, with your favorite club, AJ, I don't know how they're doing it. 6-2-1 and one, their last nine games played. I heard a rumor 
that there's going to be a red cross painted on their jersey for the number of key and serious injuries <laughs> they've, they've endured. You can add the name of Jake Gunsel to that list. He underwent a shoulder surgery, and he's lost for the year. That's a horrible blow for your club. One guy that's making good with uh, more opportunities of late, though, Brian Rust, four goals and five helpers in his last six games played, helping to plug that gap. In the Nets, another bit of great news. Tristan Jerry's become the clear number one in, in goal. 13 goals allowed in his last six games played. Even with this depleted roster, though, I'm stunned that uh, a guy with the talent of Alex Kelchenyuk is now relegated to fourth line minutes in his last two games played, simply not competing and not contributing here. You must be terribly disappointed in him. That leaves the the likes of Simon uh, and others to take up top six roles. Uh, can you fill us in on what's happening on that left side? I smell an upgrade in a, in a trade uh, for this team on the, on the port side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think they were looking at adding a, a scoring winger regardless of, uh, you know, what happened with Gensel. But now with him out, I mean, the one upside there is they've now got $6 million worth of cap room by placing uh, Gensel on long-term IR. So they their options on who they can bring in really have expanded there. In terms of Galchenyuk, everything I've heard, read, uh, is that he is one of the hardest workers uh, in that locker room, but the fit is just just doesn't seem to be there. Um, been a great character guy, has really been putting in the work at practice and, and whatnot, but it just hasn't shown up on the score sheet, and that's why you see him slotted in to that fourth uh, fourth line role. But the biggest news here is that uh, they they departed for for a three game road trip, and Sidney Crosby is traveling with the team. Now that doesn't mean he's going to play. I think it's almost, uh, it's very unlikely he's for him to suit up tonight versus Vegas. Um, but then they've got, uh, Colorado and Arizona, uh, upcoming and there is where you might, uh, get some opportunities there. The team will practice a number of times over this road trip. So it, it could also just be able to practice with the team and he doesn't play at all. So, uh, it's not all bad injury news, but uh, they are still without Justin Schultz and Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang is seeing more and more work. And the more minutes Chris Letang plays, the more likely he is to make some bad mistakes. And you saw that against Florida. If you watched that game, uh, you know, he played 24 minutes. of ice time was a minus two in that contest. So really more than anything right now, Pittsburgh kind of needs the defenders back in order to uh, to kind of reduce Latang's opportunities to make bonehead plays. <laughs> and in St. Louis, the defending champs are rolling along AJ 6-2-1 in their last nine starts, and uh, the big guns are firing up front and on defense and performing in the nets. Alex Pietrangelo, three goals and six helpers his last six games played. Jaden Swartz, four goals, four assists. David Perron, outstanding season continues. Two goals, six assists for him. Jordan Bennington on a six-game personal winning streak. It was snapped by a seven spot against Colorado. We'll call that a blip on the radar. I'm watching for the distribution of right-wing minutes going forward here. We show Jordan Cairo getting another look at a top-six role. What do you think about that situation, AJ? Yeah, I think Cairo uh, is certainly uh, a player that I've used a couple times in, in DFS contests just because uh, he has been playing uh, in that kind of plum assignment there. Now, it hasn't always worked out. Uh, he's you know a bit a bit of a hot and cold option there. His minutes are, are pretty limited despite playing in that role. 
you know, you look at his last uh, 10 games, his average ice time is only about 12 minutes uh, per night, not seeing a ton of work on the power play either. Uh, and so uh, certainly a, a guy to watch uh, and maybe uh, a cheap option in, in DFS contest, but uh, it, it's not, uh, not a guarantee to, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. San Jose Shark and Sharks, another team that's kind of not playing to the level we thought. They're three, four, and two in their last nine games played. Brett Burns is trying to do his part with his usual almost point a game clip on the blue line, but I'm a little concerned when I see the likes of Patrick Marlowe. As much as I like him, he's not a first line player anymore. He's still getting first line minutes on the top unit at right wing but a guy like a kevin lebank to me should be in that role this guy's getting more power play time than than marlo but he's not getting the top six looks listed as a right wing on the third line on our depth charts in the nets an intriguing intriguing circumstance with aaron dell raising his game to challenge for more time and goal here as martin jones continues to struggle of late well, if there's a team that's in the market for, for a midseason goaltending acquisition, I think the Sharks probably lead that category. Uh, whether they could get something done or make it work financially, uh, to be seen. But yeah, Jones has struggled all season long. Dell, as you said, is, is looking better of late, but he had uh, some terrible outings himself. Uh, and one player who is starting to, to figure it out is uh, Evander Kane. He has four goals in his last two games, and that comes after a seven-game goal drought in which he only added uh, two assists along along the way. So if they can get him scoring, uh, it may not be uh, too little too late for this team. They might be able to fight their way back uh, into uh, a wild-card spot. They're eight points off, so it would be uh, a pretty tough challenge. But if you've got a guy like Kane going uh, and you can maybe start getting some, some better net-minding, uh, all may not be lost in San Jose. And it, everything is anything but lost in Tampa right now, AJ. They're on a seven-game win streak, and if they win tonight, they're finding they're going to find themselves in second place within striking distance of the Boston Bruins. Uh, the numbers tell the story here. The big guns are really on fire. Hedman, 10 points in seven games. Killorn, 8 points in seven games. Point, 9 points in seven games. Stamkos, 9 points in seven games. Kucherov, 8 points in seven games. Vasilevsky 5-0 and in his last five starts, only 11 goals against. So I can't find anything that's not working in Tampa. Can you? No, I mean, you really can't. You you mentioned the extended win streak, and, and that's carried over to Curtis McElhaney, who has wins in his last two games, uh, gave up you know four goals in that outing. And with the offense ahead of him, uh, if your backup goalie is only giving up on average two goals a game, you should be able to out uh, outwork them in the offensive end and, and get it done. So really, you know, the only kind of thing that's maybe not going perfect for them right now is Ryan McDonough is out with an upper body injury, missed their most recent game. He's not an offensive contributor by any means for him, but certainly he'll ex- uh, his absence will expose the, the net miners to a few extra shots, uh, which, you know, certainly you don't like uh, there. But other than that, uh, it seems like this team has kind of found its form, but really let's be honest it doesn't matter what the lightning do in the regular season at this point every everybody's going to look at last postseason and then what they can do uh, when they get into the playoffs this year absolutely correct and the same goes probably with the maple leafs about two weeks ago i was fretting that they wouldn't make the playoffs but even with last night's loss that snapped a 10 game consecutive point streak for my favorite team they were 9-0-1 heading into last night's tilt they lost that game as i said 
But under their new coach, they're 15-5-1, and, and that's closed the gap in our dollar bet, too, my friend. I wonder if you're starting to shake a little bit about that. But the numbers on the ice tell the story here. Willie Nylander, 11 points in the last seven games. Tavares, 10 points. Marner, 11. And Matthews, 11. So the top four guys, the $40 million gang, we'll call them, is really producing right now. Behind them, Tyson Berry continues to love life under Sheldon Keefe. One goal, eight assists in his last games played, including last night's effort. And they finally got some wins from their relief uh, goalie as Hutchison receded for three wins, allowed five goals against in those starts. He gave up three in, in the almost 40 minutes that he played last night, but was no fault of his. The Oilers were just that good last night. In the Nets, Freddie Anderson ha- saw a streak end last night. He had points in seven straight games and only 22 goals against uh, in those uh, those efforts. Uh, so uh, goals against right around three, but it bloomed after last night's three spot in short order. He ha- entered last night's game. Here's an interesting stat. He was 12-0-1 career versus Edmonton before that tilt. So now he's got the blemish on the record after that game but another note that I want to make here is left wing on the third line Pierre Engvall showing some big upside for me six goals and one assist in his last nine games played a seventh round pick AJ I think they really found something here and Jason Spezza is another guy who's loving life with Sheldon Keith solid contributor in a third line role for the veteran well, look, everybody talks about the trade they made as the Tyson Berry trade. Uh, and let's not forget that Alex Kerfoot was part of that deal. Uh, his numbers have, have been solid. They haven't been uh, astronomical, but 17 points in 39 games. I think he's certainly capable of getting to that 40-point mark for a third straight year. Uh, most recently, he's started to, to heat up here with eight points in his last 11 games. And so really, uh, as Tyson Berry gets all the focus on that deal, really a smart kind of uh, secondary addition uh, as part of that deal. And as far as our bet goes, Paul, I've got no concerns at all. Pittsburgh's, <laughs> Pittsburgh's two points ahead with uh, a pair of games in hand. And so I think we'll be just fine. I will uh, look forward to collecting that dollar from you at the uh, in Vegas this summer. All right, my friend. We'll see how that shakes down. The Vancouver Canucks 7-1. and one. In their last eight games, seven games, a consecutive win streak that's intact right now. Quinn Hughes has continued an outstanding rookie campaign. Two goals and two assists his last five starts. Tyler Myers had a hat trick uh, from his defense position. Still not a high-end defense uh, DFS play for me. Uh, That was a real shocking uh, outcome. If you had him, you really hit the lottery there. Jacob Markstrom has been outstanding in the nets for this club. Six-game win streak intact. 15 goals against. He's moved himself into the discussion of one of the top goals in all of hockey for my money. Jake Vertanen is another guy who fought his way out of the doghouse here. He's got seven points in his last seven games played. And another guy, a couple of guys have uh, caught my uh, attention. Tanner Tanner Pearson was the most added player in fantasy last week. His ownership uh, spiked by 17% to 48 overall, nine points in his last seven games played. And Louis Erickson, mired for much of the year in a fourth-line role, he's suddenly getting right-wing minutes on the top line as he responded with three points in his last five games played in that role. Well, I think the the nice thing for them, you know, with with Louis Erickson starting to figure it out, you know, since returning from injury is that their, their cost per point has drastically reduced. <laughs> uh, you know, you look at his, his cap hit cost per point right now, uh, still about 1.5 million per point 
uh, on the year. And so uh, if he can start figuring out, they'll they'll certainly be happy there. Uh, that deal is that's a lot of money to go to a guy who's not doing any scoring. Uh, one player who uh, is starting to figure it out uh, has you know was in and out of the lineup much of last season is Adam Gaudet. And I really think he can be a solid uh, third line center in this league and, and for Vancouver for a while. Uh, last 10 games has five points in those outings. That includes a goal and an assist on the power play. So I like that he's getting uh, looks there as well. This isn't a guy uh, that's going to lead your team in scoring at any point, but certainly a quality depth option. And if you're in a deeper format that, you know, goes into, you know, kind of the depths of the NHL roster, uh, certainly a guy to look at uh, in terms of a, a deep uh, kind of fantasy uh, option for you. And I know you're looking forward to tonight's game between Pittsburgh and Vegas. Let's talk about the Golden Knights now. They're 6-2-1 and one in their last nine starts, a four-game win streak on the line tonight. They're getting some solid work out of uh, key players uh, at a good time here in the schedule, rounding into playoff form, I'll say. Shea Theodore is one of them, a goal, four assists in his last six starts. Mark Stone, three goals, four assists in six games played. This guy's fit in like a glove since he got a move to, to the Knights here. And uh, their signature player, Marc-Andre Fleury, four-game win streak intact. 11 goals against though, AJ. I'm a little bit concerned that he's given up four in each of his last two wins. Uh, I don't wonder where your heart is tonight with that level of play <laughs> out of Fleury. Alex Tuck lined up at light wing, uh, left wing on the top unit. Uh, his last two games played, he's been a third-line player for much of the year, so I'm glad he's getting a look here. He's got a streak of three points in five games uh, going into tonight's action, and uh, I expect he'll get more playing time, more minutes uh, to grow those numbers. Uh, I, I really like this player and a solid DFS play in this role. Well, you know, as, as far as Fleury goes, uh, getting a win and giving up four goals is nothing new uh, to Marc-Andre Fleury. He's played on uh, plenty of teams that had a ton of offensive, uh, you know, firepower and, and could bail him out when, when those things happen. It's really, uh, for me, it's not a huge uh, concern if, if I'm a you know Golden Knights fan. I, I think you'll be fine. Uh, the bigger worry here is the injuries are starting to pile up a little bit. And for now, it's kind of isolated to, to depth, guys. Cody Glass is going to miss. Uh, he's week to week right now with a leg injury, so you expect him to at least be out this week, possibly longer. Cody Eakin is not going to play tonight. He's still been out uh, since you know November 29th, and, and he's not back yet. And then you add in kind of a, a big you know fine uh, a big player picking up an injury as well and jonathan marchesault uh sounded like a game time call for their last game uh didn't take warm-ups in that contest so maybe he returns tonight you'll kind of have to wait and see and, and check back on rotowire for that one but if marchesault's out again with glass now out and Eakin as well it, it, the lineup starts to get a little bit thinner than you would like in terms of scoring uh scoring options and uh, up next, the Washington Capitals, 5-4, and four, the record in the last nine games played. That's almost half the losses that they've had year to date. So uh, while it's still above 500, not quite as impressive as they were before that. But what I love about this team begins with their top two centers. They're interchangeable here for my part. Uh, so I always look to see who's the cheaper one in DFS play and go with that option whenever these guys are slated to play. And I'm going to go with Kuznetsov tonight. He's got four goals and three helpers in his last six games played. He's on a point-per-game place pace avoiding most teams opposing checking lines because Ovi's on the first line with Backstrom who has 42 points in 40 games played as the number one center of record Braden Holtby struggling in the nets uh, 16 goals allowed 
in his last four games played. That's not great news here. I'm also keeping an eye out for Richard Panic. This guy started the season on the injury list, but he's a right wing on the third line unit and is starting to warm up, warm up a little bit. I think he's going to be a solid contributor for this team down to the end of the season. He's picked up three points in his last five games played and seeing more minutes per game lately. A similar profile for left winger on the third line, Carl Hagelin. He's looking more productive of late. Two points and 12 shots on goal in his last five games played. He certainly is stirring it up and creating. And uh, it won't, if he continues, the points will come. Well, you mentioned picking your spots in, in terms of, uh, you know, DFS options. And for me, uh, Ilya Samsonov has been a guy that when he's playing, I definitely consider putting him in my DFS lineup and have used him on, on a number of occasions. He has just, uh, you know, in his last uh, 12 outings, he's 9-1-1, one, one, just the one regulation loss in there. The goals against average is 2.55, uh, but some of that is, you know, uh, his most recent game against Carolina, he faced 41 shots. Uh, still got the win, uh, gave up just three goals in the, in that contest. And so really uh, a, a great kind of DFS uh, plugger, uh, you know, for, for when he gets in the lineup. And finally, we wind it up with a look at the Winnipeg Jets. They won a 3-2 squeaker in Montreal to vault their record to 3-5-2. Nothing to, nothing to celebrate over the last two weeks, but uh, they're on a tough road swing through Canada this week. And they'll be in Toronto in a couple of days to see if can, they can further right the ship but with that challenging uh, game on the docket. Uh, in terms of offensive pieces here, here that are fly, uh, fly, flying, Connor has seven, point, seven goals, two assists in his last six games played. Mark Shifley, three goals, eight assists in his last six games played. Must starts if you can fit them in in DFS play. Neil Pionk is a guy that uh, I think has really shone for the Jets of late. Six assists in his last six games played. Connor Hallibuck is handling the biggest load among goals, goalies in the NHL, and I was worried about him before last night's game. He had given up 20 goals again in his last five game starts, but he responded very well with a, a solid game in, in uh, Montreal to take the victory. Patrick Laine, is this guy going to be more of a playmaker all of a sudden? 15 goals, but 25 assists, equaling what he did all of last season in 40 games played so far for the Jets. Yeah, it's great to see him kind of finding a, another role out, outside of pure, you know, pure sniper. And I'm sure Jets fans are, are happy to see that as well. You know, one player to watch for me right now is Sammy Niku. Uh, he got called up with the a couple of injuries that are plaguing them on the blue line. Has 14 points in 18 games uh, for the Manitoba Moose so far this season. Uh, is really uh, at the minor league level been a, a top kind of uh, uh, offensive producer. And so he'll start in a third pairing role, but there's certainly indications that if things go well uh, for him, he could get looks with, with Neil Pionk on kind of the second pairing there. And I would expect to see his ice time kind of creep up if he uh, you know can hold on to a, a roster spot. All right, AJ, it's time to talk about FanDuel. And before we get into our picks, I'm celebrating because I had a nice day in the NFL Staff League uh, final on the weekend. I picked up a pile of FanDuel points, and I'll be using them the rest of the season. As uh, It was a $45 value, I think, that I got for coming in in the top 10. So I'm happy about that, and I'm going to spend some of that money today. But I can't wait to hear what you have from the optimizer to kick us off. 
Yeah. So if you, if you run the default optimizer right now, it is going to put Jonathan March assault in for you. Um, and as we said, he's day to day. So you'll want to check back and see if he's playing tonight. If you want to take him out of the optimizer and run it again, here's what you'll get. You get Patrice Bergeron 7,900 as the top center going with Vinny Trocek for 5,300. I think that's a great uh, kind of pairing there of guys uh, at the center position. The optimizer continues with the full Boston stack uh, in terms of, of that top line, David Pasternak at 8,800, Brad Marchant 7,800, and then comes back with a guy that you're familiar or that you mentioned earlier, Alex Tuck, 3,600, pretty good value for a guy that, uh, you know, is playing a third line role, but would get bumped potentially to a top six role if March assault, in fact, did not play. Optimizer using kind of a, a unique option here is a low cost winger, Nathan Gerby, uh, 3,100. He's slotted in right now for a second line role with Columbus. Uh, and so he won't break the bank for you. On the back end, the optimizer goes with Seth Jones, 5,400, Shea Theodore, 5,100. Uh, both guys are, are power play producers. And then the optimizer likes Braden Holpe tonight in the Nets at 8,000. All right, I'm going to counter with this lineup. AJ, I got some mini stacks all over the place here. Ryan Getzlaff and Evgeny Kuznetsov are my centers. Getzlaff cost me $5,600. I like the way that top line looks uh, right now in Anaheim, and they got a good matchup against a team that's playing the second of back-to-backs tonight as Columbus comes in to visit. I look for Kuznetsov to have a big night along with his mates as the Ottawa Senators come into town, and uh, the the Caps are looking at this one as points tonight, I I think, and I hope for my sake, because I'll add in the mix, I've, I've got the whole Washington second line in there. Jakob Vrana for $4,800 is in there for me as well. And TJ Oshie for $6,900 to round out that that line. And in addition to those two wingers, I've got Evgeny Dadanov of Florida. As I mentioned, he's on fire of late. He cost me $6,300 with the home date against uh, the Coyotes pending. And I round out my winger compliment with Jaden Schwartz, one of the top scoring wingers for the St. Louis Blues. He's had a good streak going right now. We've talked about the middling goaltending that the San Jose Sharks offering offer. They're the opposition tonight that come into St. Louis for the visit. So I'm looking for that to pay off. And then on defense, I rounded up. I spend a little bit more than I normally would in the defense core because I did save a little bit among the forwards. So I added Cam Fowler with the Anaheim matchup against Columbus. And I got Jacob Truba of the Rangers in what I think could be a real shootout for the Colorado-New uh, York uh, hockey game. And rounding it out, I'm looking for the most secure win option that didn't cost me a ton of money. I thought Braden Holtby would more, be more expensive with this matchup, but he's only $8,000, and I'm jumping at the chance to put this lineup to work, AJ. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely the the theme that I think you're going to see uh, across the, the optimizer, your lineup, my lineup, is Washington against Ottawa. Um, I took a little bit different approach uh, than, than you did. So I went with Backstrom and Osh, uh, Ovechkin on that top line. So you get Ovi at 8,500 and then Backstrom playing with him at 6,500. Pretty discounted rate for a guy playing center position with Alexander Ovechkin uh, and, and a point producer in his own right. I also went with the second line for Calgary. They've got a matchup with Chicago tonight, which I think is a good opportunity for them to produce. So I've got Sean Monahan centering at 7,000, Johnny Gaudreau at 7,200, and then Backland uh, at 4,700. So a pretty discounted option there uh, on the right wing. But if you're adding up the numbers here, you've got three guys all making 
are all costing over seven thousand dollars there so my f- uh, final winger had to be a value guy and for just three thousand you can get Ilya Kovalchuk uh, into your lineup tonight against Detroit I think that's a great matchup for him uh, uh, and a good opportunity to use a guy I like Montreal will take a flyer on Kovalchuk for a low cost so <laughs> um, then on on defense I went with Alex Edler Uh, for Vancouver I know the matchup with Tampa Bay isn't great but Edler's been a consistent producer he's averaging just about 14 uh, fantasy points per game uh, so 5300 and then Oliver Ekman Larson is a player that I probably overuse if I'm being perfectly honest but 4800 is pretty cheap I I like the matchup with Florida uh, and he is a power play contributor as well so should get uh, some opportunities now I was going to use Braden Hopi, but after the optimizer used Braden Hopi, after you used Braden Hopi, I want to at least give our listeners another <laughs> option here. So Peter Morazic is a uh, hundred dollars less at seventy nine hundred. Gets a, a clash at home against the Flyers tonight, and I think he could certainly uh, be an alternative if you don't want to ride the Braden Hopi train tonight. Well, I think listeners got some really good tips on the optim between the three of us, and I think all three of those lineups will be in the winner's circle tonight. I haven't felt that strongly about the combination in any other show, AJ, so we'll see how that turns out. And before we go off the air, I'm excited about the fact that we saw a trickle of uh, trade activity in the past week, and I know you uh, like the possibilities of more action. We don't usually have to wait to the trade, that trade deadline to see more of it, and I wonder if we will in the near near future. Yeah, I definitely think we're going we're gonna to see more and more action coming as we get closer to... Uh, you know, closer to, you know, February. Uh, I, I don't know how much more we'll see before, uh, the all-star break. I'm kind of expecting it to be relatively quiet until after the all-star break. But I also said that, you know, they would keep, uh, um, <laughs> uh, Taylor Hall around longer as <laughs> well. Uh, so maybe my, my insight on, on when these trades are going to happen is, is a little off, but I would expect uh, things to go full bore as soon as teams return from that break. And when they do, we'll be here to talk all about it. AJ, that wraps up this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode is scheduled to take place a week from today, but you will not be available, so I've got to hunt for a replacement co-host, and I hope you have a great time in Vegas. And I hope it's not all work and some play can be involved there. But to our listeners, I'll remind them to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 